Welcome back to the Word Bold Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions of space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and before I introduce this episode, I'd like to ask you to pause and reflect on what I think is an important question at this moment in time. As we transition from pandemic mode to a post-pandemic world, what if commercial real estate embraced a remote-first mentality and helped our customers work in new ways? What if our products and services went beyond the square feet or square meters in our office assets? I'm just going to pause for a moment and let that question linger. Okay, in my, dare I say, bold opinion, I believe that's the mindset we need to best support our office customers going forward. And that's why I've asked Chris Hurd, founder and CEO of First Base, to join the podcast today. You may know Chris from his consistent social media post, and maybe I'll even say polarizing at times, but in this episode, you'll get to understand Chris's vision for the future of work, where he expects more people will be empowered to do better work than ever before. And why so many office customers, including billion-dollar global corporations, have chosen his company to help them evolve into a remote-first or hybrid work model. Coming off a $13 million Series A round led by Andreessen Horowitz, we learn how First Base is building an AWS for the physical world, what superpowers knowledge-based workers need, the risks to going remote, and some tips to getting it right. As always, if you have any questions or feedback on this episode or topics you want covered, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or DM me on LinkedIn. Now, I asked Chris whether he expects companies to go back to the office full time. And surprise, surprise, Chris does believe almost everyone will spend some time in the office. But it depends. And that's where I think commercial real estate has an opportunity to win in the future of work. To quote the infamous Gary Vaynerchuk, today is the perfect day to check our perspectives and points of view. Now, let's go be Chris. Welcome back to the Word Bowl podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and today I'm joined by Chris Hurd, founder and CEO of First Base, the all-in-one remote team management solution. Chris and team are disrupting commercial real estate by helping more and more companies move to a remote-first model by giving them one place to manage everything their remote teams need. He's a prolific social media marketer with nearly 40,000 followers on both LinkedIn and Twitter, respectively, and regular viral posts generating engagement in the 50,000 range and 15 to 20 million impressions. People love his content. Prior to launching First Base, Chris launched a remote fintech startup with his current co-founder, U.S. Air Force veteran Trey Bastion, where they soon learned the problems remote companies face and how to solve them. Before that, Chris was an operations manager in the oil industry, where he managed multi-million pound construction projects and office furniture renovations in some of the most challenging and remote environments on earth. And today, he's here to share the rest of the story he's writing and how this will shape the future of work. Welcome to the Work Bowl Podcast, Chris. Thanks for having me, Caleb. Good to be here. Well, great to have you. I've obviously been following your social media content for some time and following your story. Very impressive. Excited to chat with you today. Now, Chris, personally, I've been working remotely 60 plus percent of the time for the better part of the last decade, maybe a little longer. So I'm a big believer in the benefits of remote work and remote being a tool in the platform of work. You're coming off a big fundraising announcement. You've announced the $2 million seed round from Alpaca, the same backers of Latch and Compass, and a $13 million Series A round led by Andreessen Horowitz. Other smart people from this round include a Celeprise, SV Angel, SV Freaking Angel. That's big, dude. And of course, Work Bold Podcast alum, Ryan Simonetti, CEO of Convene. 
Chris, we share a common shareholder now. So clearly some very smart people believe in your vision for the future. So my first question is to you, Chris, what will the future of work look like? Yeah, and I, I think it's something where we, we look back in the past, work could be designed for the collective. It was about this mass market thing where everyone worked in an office. It worked for, it, it didn't work particularly well for everyone, but everyone sort of managed a lot. And I think looking forward, the future of work is really about choice and it's empowering the individual to work in a situation where they can do the best work that they've ever done in their lives. And I think for me, that's any number of ways. There's going to be elements of in-person, there's going to be huge elements of remote. But again, I think ultimately it's about the individual at the center of it and can they do the best work that they've ever done in their lives and what situation is it that enables them to do that? Well, I love that. And I've been banging on about workplace choice for some time. And I think you're 100% right there. I have to say, it's refreshing to hear you say that there's going to be multiple components to the platform of work, including in person. And so a lot of times on your LinkedIn post, it sounds like you're, I'm going to say anti-office, though I know, and I've been accused of that as well. And I know neither one of us are anti-office, but we are pro workplace choice. So speaking of social media, this content that you share on Twitter and LinkedIn, you regularly post that you're talking to thousands of companies about their plans. And we all see the headlines that are being announced almost daily. But what I want to hear from you on this podcast today is how many people will go back to the office? I, I think the, the answer is almost everyone will spend some time in the office. Now, I think the more nuanced answer is it, it depends. Remote is going to play a massive part of the future of work. You look at the data coming out, which is saying that 90 plus percent of people want to work remotely at least one or two days a week and anywhere between four and seven people in 10 want to work remotely all of the time. Now, I think certain companies will try and go back more than that. And I think that's going to cause a number of huge challenges with respect to not only retaining talent, but also attracting talent. But I think there are always going to be certain things where being in person whether it's quality of communication, quality of collaboration for certain things is going to be better. And if we still have that physical in-person component, I think the question then becomes, what's the cadence that's required for that? How much time do we need to spend together in order to maximize all those intangible things that I'm referring to before? And I think the, the reality is most companies just don't know that right now. They've been forced into a remote working situation where they've seen that remote work works but they don't yet have the answer as to how much in-person is required to make the whole situation great for everyone. So I think there's going to be a lot of fluidity there that companies will figure out across the next 12 or 18 months as things start to open up. But I think the reality is a lot of habits and behaviors have calcified super deeply and, and many people see that they've had a massive quality of life upgrade, even though this, this has happened in the most difficult circumstances imaginable. That's interesting. We had Michelle Schneider on the podcast last season from Salesforce, and she, to quote her, she said 20% of their global workforce will work remote permanently going forward and up to 65% will work in some hybrid capacity going forward. But then as companies are considering what to do and going forward in the next few years as lease events come up and they're able to either downsize or even remove their physical office infrastructure and potentially procure their office on demand or in a flexible capacity. What would you say is the biggest risk to those companies going remote? I, I think it's something where it's always worth acknowledging all the challenges and obstacles with being remote. But I think the other thing that we need to consider right now, which I just referred to was 
This has been the most difficult circumstances imaginable for remote workers. There's been homeschooling and there's been lockdowns and you can't see your families and you can't travel and you can't eat at a restaurant with friends. And I, I think for me, my expectation was actually there'd be a, a fairly big lashback against remote work because of this. But that isn't the story that we're seeing in the data. I, I think the, the data that you share from Michelle's super interesting. And I think I would look at that and I would say that's the base case. As millions of people get exposed to normal remote working instead of pandemic remote working, I think many of them realize that they want a lot more remote work than they may necessarily have expected because they, as I say, just haven't had all the benefits. Now, I think some of the challenges that the remote organizations do face is that things don't just happen in the same way that they do it in an office. You can forget about maintaining culture in the office because it just naturally occurs. So the first part is you need to be far more purposeful about everything that you do. And that's from culture all the way through to communication. If you don't communicate, and in many respects, you don't over communicate in a remote first situation, there's a real danger that the message that you assume everyone has nobody's read it. So there's simple ways to overcome that. Just making sure that people have read the message. I think a secondary part about communication is it's really difficult sometimes to appreciate nuance or tone in written communication. So I think another thing that I see a lot of people recommending is always assuming positive intent in what's communicated to you. And I think the final piece, which I think is important for every type of organization is just listening to their people. I, I think it, because we've lived through this, we've lived through a pandemic, it's been a real struggle for a lot of people. I think we need to open up that conversation between companies and employees and really empowering them to share their thoughts and opinions and making sure that their voices are heard. Otherwise, we could end up in a very bad situation going forward. Yeah, I really like that last uh, statement there about uh, listening, because I think and I made in my own post on LinkedIn recently about how people, particularly in commercial real estate, but leaders in general that have this traditional mindset and probably have been in positions of power for quite some time, not to pick on them, but just to point out that there's been a lot of conversation about returning to the office or returning to work, not that we haven't been working this past year, or returning to pre-pandemic environments, listening to what people are saying from this past year and understanding that actually not everybody wants that. Some people do, but not everybody does. And some people, they're actually, their connotation with going into the office and that office culture, is not, it's not about the physical office, but it's the culture that's going on there. Some people recognize the office as being burnout and bullying and boredom and presenteeism. As leaders, we have to listen first and understand and empathize with people so we can create the culture that works. And remote, I think, for some has been a savior. But having said that, there's a lot of risks for companies going remote. And I think you put it, put some good tips in that. And, and I'd like to go back to the first thing you said, and that's the last year has been unusual circumstances. And remote going forward, post-pandemic, post-COVID, I believe is going to be much different. And if, we, if people have choice of coming into a physical office or working from outside the office, whether that be home or somewhere else, more often than not, they are going to choose to work outside the office because the distractions won't be there because the kids will be in school and they will be able to go have a, a lunch break with their grandmother that lives nearby. So that's an exciting part of the future. Chris, in, in my research, I've read that you were building, and I'm going to quote you, building a physical world AWS referencing Amazon Web Services. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I think as you speak to a variety of companies, I think what you realize pretty quickly is 
the core infrastructure required in order to be a successful remote first organization uh, doesn't exist. And what companies require in many respects are really easy and efficient ways to set up, support and scale remote teams globally. And there's a huge number of components to that. Obviously, the one we're focused on is is making sure that people have the right equipment to be as safe, comfortable and productive at home as they would be in an office. But I think very quickly, there's a lot of other things that we bolt onto that. In conversation with companies, we just get to see a lot of the other challenges and obstacles that they're facing. So when I talk about that physical world, AWS, what I'm really referring to is making it super easy for any company anywhere on the planet to click a button. And that core infrastructure is spun up almost immediately and really giving them the superpowers that they need to become a a successful remote first organization. I really love that you use the word superpowers. I've used that quite a few times. We have a podcast episode um, about superpowers. And I just love the fact that you use this because in the office world, we are always selling square feet and layouts and design. And that's the old way of thinking. But we should be selling superpowers. How do our work environments enable people to be successful. That's what we should be selling. And what you're saying is you're giving superpowers to companies who want to make sure that their teams are successful working remotely. So that sounds great. And But I want to dive into that a little bit deeper, if that's okay. When I think about my own home office experience, I've created a, an area, a room that I can go in and focus immediately. I've got a nice executive chair. I've got a desk. I've got a laptop. I've got specific lighting and some artwork on the walls. But what does that mean from a practical perspective for you? Yeah, I, I think that's that takes many of the boxes that I think many of the, the clients that come to us are looking for. We're already working with some of the largest organizations globally to set their teams up for success. And it's all the things that you're talking about. It's the tools and equipment that people need to make sure that we can um, avoid situations where people are getting back injuries, neck injuries, repetitive strain injuries. So there's easy things I think everyone understands and, and maybe never appreciated initially in the pandemic where they just sat at the kitchen table and then they start to face issues and then they realize, well, actually the office environment and the tools and, and things that are provided by the company ensure our safety, they ensure our productivity. So for companies early on in the pandemic, I think that was the the key consideration. Can we get people set up for success? Can we avoid injuries? Can we make sure that they're comfortable? Now I think that's beginning to transition into more of an experience. How can we increase the quality of experience for the worker by giving them additional things? And I think I look at that and I say, well, offices transitioned to provide far more experiential things. And I think remote work is going to do the same. And it's going to be a key point of differentiation between organizations who really care about their people and and really want to, to focus on providing a great experience and in many respects, a great culture as well. So that's, I think, how we're focused on it particularly. But I think a lot of organizations are going to do a lot of different things in this space. And we'll see, again, a lot of exploration to figure out what really works. I do have to ask this question, and it just popped in my head as you're talking, because one of the things that is important to me in my life is coffee. And we all know going into the office, we get the free coffee and we have our own coffee solutions at home. But what I've done is I've got this nice, fancy machine that you might find in an office here. It's a Sage machine. And I'm able to grind the beans, bean the cup right away. And it's my own bold coffee. So I get the same flavors and bold coffee flavor that I get in the office. Do you see a future where companies 
give their employees coffee in their home office as well? Yeah, we're already seeing requests for coffee machines, coffee bean subscriptions, soft drink subscriptions. And yeah, I think that is going to be a huge area of exploration. I think there, there's a lot of things in offices that are done again to return to what I, where I started at the start. It was, it's about the collective, right? It's about giving as many people as possible, as many things as we can that as many people like as, as, as are there. And I think the difference with remote is that potentially we can craft perks which really work with the individual sensibility. For me or for you, that might be coffee. For someone else, that might be green tea or, or something else. And yeah, I think there's a big opportunity there for innovation too. Your vision of the future then, do you see companies going back to the office full-time? Any companies? We hear Goldman Sachs talking about it, but what, what's your view on that? I, I think I often like to answer this with a question, which is what happened to companies that never adopted computing? What happened to companies that didn't embrace software? What happened to companies that didn't invest in the internet? And I, I think for me, it's like, what happens to companies that don't become remote first, whether it's companies like you referred to or, or anyone else that we've seen announce a desire to go back to the office. I, I think the reality is that they're going to get crushed. In a knowledge-based economy, companies are as good as their people. And if you don't have great people, you don't have a company. And the problem that those companies have got is 90% plus of people never want to work in an office again full time. Now, that doesn't mean they never want to go back to an office. They never want to be with their colleagues. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is people want a higher quality of life. They don't want to waste two hours a day sat in a steel pollution emitting box, traveling to an office, carrying the laptop they're about to work on to sit messaging people on Slack all day. It just doesn't make any sense. You end up wasting an inordinate amount of your life over the course of your career, not really achieving anything. And I think there's a second rate part here, which is really important to me, which is remote first organizations should be the most inclusive, diverse, and accessible, and they should democratize access to opportunity almost more than anything else. To me, that means it's not just about being a space that works for one specific demographic. It's about expanding that and it's about enabling anyone to work anywhere, whether you're a single parent or you're caring for a family member. Or maybe you've got a health condition or impairment that makes it really difficult and uncomfortable, if not impossible, to work in the office. So I think inevitably the conclusion I would draw from that is by 2030, a majority of the 255 million desk jobs globally will be done remotely a majority of the time. And for exactly the same reasons that e-commerce, Amazon, crushed companies like department stores and physical stores, we're going to see the same thing happen to companies that, that don't embrace remote working. They just won't make it through this decade. Well, certainly a bold statement, and I tend to agree with you. And I think a lot of people, when they talk about these headlines we're seeing right now, people in the commercial real estate industry jump to the savings and are companies really going to sacrifice the collaboration to save some money? And I think the, the answer to that is it's not just about the savings. I'm a big believer in plus, not versus in, in many capacities. And it's not just about the savings. It's about growth. And you hit the nail on the head. In a knowledge-based economy and knowledge-based jobs, you're the people, the talent to attract and retain the best talent to grow faster. If you don't embrace flexible working, workplace choice, remote, then you're going to lose opportunities to attract that talent. And what is that going to do for your company? So it's, it's going to have other people competing better with you, in my opinion. But 
Having said that, there's been a lot of polarization around this topic, particularly, and I like to frame it between a forward thinking versus traditional mindset or a finite versus infinite mindset, as Simon Sinek likes to say. And going back to the plus instead of versus, I think the office, in my opinion, still has a valuable role in the platform of work. I'm the founder of a space as a service brand. I'll have to think this, but my question to you, though, is do you think there's an opportunity considering plus instead of versus, do you think there's an opportunity for first base to work with us in commercial real estate as we help our customers navigate these next couple of years and manage both remote and office teams? Could my company Bold and First Base team up to help our mutual customers support their teams remotely and with inspiring places when they want to come together in real life? I think so. It's something we're definitely having conversations with in the space. And yeah, I think the reality is there there is going to be this combination approach, which is focused on choice for the individual, but it's spread across multiple different locations. And I think the more flexibility that we can insert into that, there's a huge opportunity to then collaborate by enabling those remote first organizations to do it effectively. And I think being able to just really sit back and, and not really think too much about how it happens, having organizations like the commercial real estate sector and, and infrastructure plays in the remote workspace coming together and really removing the friction and obstacles in the way of organizations doing this. I, I think that leads to a far better experience for the company. So we will certainly see opportunities to do that, but it's going to be something that should probably be driven by the commercial real estate companies. They have pre-existing relationships with a large number of clients. And in many respects, they have very trusting relationships with clients. So by partnering with people that are obviously doing something that they're not currently doing, looking at it as the plus model that you're talking about, it becomes something maybe they are losing a little bit of revenue from volume in terms of people being at the office, but it becomes something where they can expand their service offering to do a lot more for the end user, which ultimately probably ends up earning them a lot of favor with their clients. Yeah, it makes sense to me. There's this gap being created in the office industry between supply and in the office side of the market and the demand and what customers want. And I think the operators and the forward-thinking brokers positioned to bridge that gap by bringing in partners such as First Base and helping companies navigate the next couple of years. So I'm glad that you're on board with that. I want to move the topic over to something else. I don't want to call it a buzzword, but I think I want to put some definitions around this from you, the, the king of remote. Asynchronous work versus synchronous work. We see those thrown around. And I think there's a lot of people that don't fully grasp what these what the differences are. Can you describe that for us? Yeah. And so I, I think synchronous work is super easy to grasp via an explanation of things that everyone's went through. So everyone's been in an office where you're working, someone taps you on the shoulder, they say, I need help with X, you go over, you help them with it, and then it takes you maybe 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes to get back into flow again. Why we call synchronous working, you're always available, you can work in sync with the person that taps you on the shoulder, and that's fine, that works in office environments. Asynchronous work, however, is more about enabling or empowering individuals to do deep focused work without distraction. In a knowledge-based economy, working asynchronously is about, again, to return to, to the word, it's about getting superpowers to do great work. And I think it's really difficult to ever work asynchronously at an office, particularly in open plan spaces. So de facto, they are more 
and better designed for synchronous collaboration and remote work is, is more focused and easier to do asynchronous collaboration or asynchronous working. That makes sense. Thank you for defining that for us. Chris, I'm going to now move us into the quick fire round. We're at the end. This went fast, didn't it? So Chris, the way this works, questions, quick answers. And the first one is who inspires you in the future of work conversation? I, I think just generally Twitter. I, I don't think there's anyone in particular. I, I read a lot of different views and I think just getting a lot of viewpoints is the most helpful thing. Perfect. Big follower of Twitter myself. Question number two, what podcast or media do you consume to stay up to date on the latest industry trend? I would say I don't consume a lot of media right now. I'm probably too in-depth with conversations with clients. And I think that's how I like to be informed rather than relying on a third party to tell me what I should be thinking. I try to go to source and I've been very lucky, I think, to speak to as many different clients in the space as I have. Straight to the source. That's the best way to stay up to date for sure. All right. Well, this next question and the final question of the podcast is not work related. And maybe since you've just raised some money, you won't be doing this much for the next couple of months. But when you do, where is your favorite holiday destination? I like to spend a lot of time in Portugal. We, me and my family have spent a number of summers there and it's beautiful country, great food, good weather, which is what I think all of us need right now. Man, I was in uh, Lisbon a couple of years ago and they told me that it gets 300 days of, of sunshine. And I'm like, I need to move to, to Lisbon at some point. Where in Portugal do you go? I spent a bit of time in, in Lisbon, Albufeira and, and Vila Moura. Maybe in the future, you and I can work remotely in Lisbon over some bold coffee and discuss the future of work together in person. Sounds good to me, Caleb. Cool. Chris, where would you like people to connect with you on social media? Obviously, you're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Are those two the best places? Yeah, I'm obviously Chris Heard on LinkedIn, at Chris underscore Heard on Twitter and firstbasehq.com. Excellent. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights. Best of luck to you. I'm championing your vision of the future as well. So thank you all for listening today. And until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. This podcast was produced by a podcast company. If you'd like to find out how we can help you with your podcast, simply email jason at apodcastcompany.com and check out our website at apodcastcompany.com.